Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Hello, I'm your host, Ed Clementi, and we're fortunate today to have uh, John Kramer on. He's the president and CEO of OHM Advisors. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Ed. Uh, glad to be here and appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, I, I I know I've known of OHM for a long time, and it's not like I think the general public does too much, but uh, why don't you kind of tell people what OHM does? Sure. Uh, and and it, it's funny you ask that because uh, sometimes if I'm at a wedding and I'm trying to tell someone what OHM does or what I do and I want to run away from them, I'll, I'll, I'll tell them why well, I design stuff or we design stuff. Uh, but if I'm really trying to talk about uh, what OHM does, uh, I tell them that we are the community advancement firm. And it means uh, that we are a diverse uh, mission-driven team that really works collaboratively across multiple service areas, and which include architecture and engineering and planning and urban design, you name it, landscape architecture, surveying, construction engineering. And we create better places for people to live and work. Uh, and we really like to think of ourselves as an industry leader when it comes to innovation, uh, because everything we do is rooted in the need to help communities solve problems. Well, as someone who has a degree in public administration, I know intimately all the stuff that goes on. And I've been like a city manager. I've served on DDAs. And it is people I don't think have any idea how intricate that relationship is for public service and what firms like yours do and how that interdependency is really how cities evolve, like you say, in advance, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you're a pretty big outfit. Why don't you mention how many people work there and how many states you're in too? Sure. Well, uh, you know, I, I started here, gosh, 30 years ago as an intern. I was 19 years old. And back then we had about 80 people. Uh, but today we have just under 700 people. And when I started, we were working in one office. And today we're working in 18 offices across five states here in the Midwest. And uh, a little secret, although I won't say where yet, we're going to open a 19th office here later on in the fall. And, and I think that speaks to one of the reasons I'm here and why I stayed here for 30 years is the opportunity that was afforded to me. I don't know that I would have stuck around with the firm if we didn't grow, if there wasn't that uh, continual opportunity. Uh, you know, I had a degree in civil and environmental engineering. Uh, but when I was hired, we didn't even have a, an environmental engineering group. Uh, so I joined the municipal engineering group. Uh, what's neat today is I can say we've grown an environmental engineering group that has about 50 people on it. So I love seeing that kind of thing. Um, but uh, it, it's really neat to see the, the growth. Yeah. Speaking of environmental, I know you guys have a uh, you're trying to work with quite a few communities on water improvement and um how to turn that into like an advantage actually to process things like that. Haven't you been, I was looking on your website and I couldn't remember the exact name of the project, but I know it was some community. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we design what I call the hard infrastructure and the soft infrastructure. Uh, but you're, you're talking specifically to the environmental. So for instance, uh, we recently did a project that's called the Ford Cove 
uh, shoreline and coastal wetland restoration. And that was a really neat job. We kind of uh, you know, th- there was a, a, a waterfront uh, forward estate that uh, had an old seawall. And uh, rather than replacing it with call it concrete, uh, we, we used a lot of native plants and were able to build, uh, uh, you know, live things out in the actual water uh, that is really helping clear up the water quality and uh, increase the fish population. So we, we do a little bit of everything and everyone knows, you know, infrastructures, roads and bridges, and those are absolutely important. Uh, but sometimes it's the environmental or uh, maybe there's there's certain things I call that soft infrastructure where people like to eat on the rooftops or, or dine on the sidewalks. And that's all part of what we do through our, our planning aspect or, or architecture. Yeah. Um, in fact, on planning, um why don't you like, you know, because I was on planning committees for cities before, but it's an interest. I think it's probably one of the more interesting things in a community like planning and zoning sometimes. But uh, like like how cities, you know, every person who lives in a city wants their city to be X or whatever. But the planning commission is where that stuff happens usually. Right. Yeah. The, the planning commission is on the, the front end of, of what's going to happen in a community. You, you have a city manager or a mayor. They're making decisions. You have the citizens that want what they want. But the planning commission is helping shape that. Uh, and they're, they're seeing uh, what development may, may or may not come uh, long before the public normally sees that. So that's a very critical uh, role. I actually had um, uh, the opportunity to serve on uh, a planning commission about 20 years ago, and it was quite a neat uh, uh, experience. Sometimes it's a pain and sometimes it's political <laughs> and sometimes it's uh, it, it can get a little bit uh, interesting with the public, but what better thing you can do than to help create your community and make it what 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 the people want? Yeah, and, and obviously, I know uh, we kind of re- you reached out to me originally about what you guys did at uh, Roosevelt Park, and why don't you sort of give a story about that? Because I think that's that part of Detroit is one of the most interesting parts of Detroit right now. Absolutely. And, and I think uh, maybe a lot of the listeners are familiar with the 100 year old train station, Michigan Central, that's there. And, and obviously Ford Motor Company and others are, are putting $750 million. So a lot of dollars into rehabbing that building and bringing jobs to that building. But the part that we were involved in is right out front called Roosevelt Park. And the park's been there forever. But if you think back 100 years, we were interested in getting from point A to point B, and we were interested in motor vehicle um, uh, traffic uh, and, and moving it. And today, what we know is the residents and the people, they are really the ones that uh, they matter. So a shout out to certainly uh, Mayor Duggan's administration. Uh, they had us reach out to the neighborhoods, the neighborhoods of Southwest Detroit and, and, and Corktown. And we reached out to them and said, what do you want in this park? What would make it neat? What would make it special? And that park is really, it, it's a front porch to that whole um, Michigan Central Station, right? It, it, it's it's what you see as you come up to it. And they said, we want shade for, for hot days. They've got swinging benches uh, we really changed it. But, you know, again, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, maybe the engineers sort of decided what people needed. And I'm not going to compare ourselves to Apple where they're going to tell you what you need in an iPhone. That's good. That works for them. What we find when you're designing this type of infrastructure is you need to know what the people want and need. And then we need to need to make it great and make it safe for them. Yeah. And I I remember 
for many years how rough that park was, actually. And I mean, I spent a lot of time going back in the old days to the Tiger Games, but, uh, you know, it was a parking lot almost. People were parking their cars there on the grass or whatever was left of the grass. And it's beautiful now. And um, so were you approached by Ford or who was, is that a city park? I, I don't, I didn't know. It's, it's a city that. park and, and we worked in conjunction with the city on it. And, and to your point, and, I, and I've been out there several times uh, since it's been completed. I'm watching people take selfies of themselves. I'm watching, they had a food truck out there. They had Irish step dancers. You know, there was a lot of stuff going on. There were young kids, there were older people. Uh, people were really walking in interested, you know, what's going on here? What is this? And I'm excited about its future. I'm sure they'll do all kinds of great programming there. Yeah, I, I look at the park like Beacon Park, which I never even knew existed. And how much that has changed that part of uh, Detroit. And, you know, it's it's tied in, I think, more with DTE, but I would assume similar projects would be associated with Roosevelt Park is going to be, right? Absolutely. I mean, when you start investing in a community, more and more investment tends to start to come. Uh, we did a, a, a job, Ryopel, uh Streetscape and Eastern Market. Uh, you know, we, we did uh, East Warren, Kaju. And again, a lot of these are more that combination of what I call the hard infrastructure and the soft infrastructure. The hard infrastructure being the road is uh, decrepit, needs to be repaved. Maybe the water main's 100 years old. Maybe it's actually made out of wood or something crazy. And so we, we go in and we replace that. But before we button it up up top, we ask the businesses and we ask the residents, what do you want here? Would you eat on a sidewalk? Would you rather have two lanes, three lanes? Do you need bike lanes? Would this allow for different things to happen and increase their quality of life? Because you can kind of take that holistic picture, get the feedback from the public, and then we try to put together a great product for them. And that ties back into our original point about the planning, because, you know, there's nothing worse than putting in something where probably somebody thought it was going to be something else and they want to put a road in there or make that a parking lot or something like that. And th that's why you need to have zoning and planning. And I know it's not like people's, the general public is excited about it, but I think it's the most critical thing for Detroit who has so much open land and so many opportunities that you got to get it right while you're at the beginning of the compass heading here. Absolutely. You got to get it right too. And, and, and sometimes I mentioned, we go get all that input from the public but when, when we're looking at something, we're going to still make sure that we're doing an economic analysis. So sometimes there is pie in the sky and you can build it. But if you build something that's so expensive that people may want it, but it's not going to draw or it's not going to improve uh, the, the economy around the area, uh, it may not make sense to do it. You want something that the people want and it's going to have that economic impact. So we make sure we look at that. You're listening to the Michigan Opportunity featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work, and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. Yeah, and, and a more, a um, little bit more macro picture, but I assume you have multiple offices in Michigan, if you have 18, right? Yeah, we have about 11 offices in Michigan. So what other projects have you done around the state too? Sure. Well, we've done everything. Uh, you know, we've worked on uh, the uh, Blue Water Bridge. I think we have even a slice of the Gordie Howe Bridge. 
we're, we're working on things up in the Upper Peninsula. We worked on uh, improving the prisons in Upper Peninsula. We worked on the roads, the water, the sewer. We worked on the what we call the university region, like in Ann Arbor, for instance. We did a smart park uh, ride design, which a lot of people know those commuter lots are kind of nice and you're seeing them pop up along the freeways and they actually do get a lot of use. But there, uh, we actually tied it in with the AATA. So now you can have a bus coming in, picking up a commuter that's parking their car in the lot. And these things really get a lot of use. So we, we love to see uh, that type of thing happening. And and like uh, you, how did you guys brand? What does OHM stand for, by the way? I don't even know. Sure. A lot, a lot of uh, design firms, it, it has to do with the history. So OHM stands for Orchard, Hilts, and McClimate. Uh, those are three previous uh, presidents of the firm, and uh, the name is carried on. But uh, our branding has told us to, to go with OHM because people don't like to say right. All this they stuff. don't. Yeah. Well, I should mention I do know John Hiltz, uh, your predecessor, I believe. Absolutely. Good guy, and he and he's still on your like board or something. He's I still think. on our board. He is chairman of the board, and uh, he he has taken us to great heights. And I am honored to continue to take the torch from him and, and keep it moving. And, and I, I think I'd be a little remiss if we didn't uh, plug a couple other people I know that worked there in the past. But uh, we know Elmo, whose real name, I'm trying to remember, Evan, Evan, Evan Pratt. Pratt. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, Washington County a, Bank Commissioner. Great. Yeah, great he's a big shot. He used to work for you guys. And, yep, for and sure. then also Pat Wingate, who... Yep. Uh, now runs what office for you guys? He's actually up in the Petoskey region, so maybe he's smarter than Lucky us. Him. He knows the uh, where the turquoise waters and the sand dunes and uh, the, the chocolate and all that good stuff up in our northwest uh, corner of the state. So he moved there a couple of years ago after working in Livonia for 25 years or so. Yep. I should mention those last two, and including you a little bit, all were rugby players at U of M, too. That's true. Although I should clarify, I played lacrosse at U of M and I was asked to participate (laughs) in the uh, uh, matches. So I have played on the rugby field with those guys. And uh, we'll just say I was fast, but not necessarily big. (laughs) And uh, but I mean, I know it's just a good group. And obviously you got your was civil engineering degree from U of M then? Yep. Civil and environmental. Correct. Oh, great, great. And so what other big partners do you work with? I don't know if you work with, I know you've mentioned cities, but anyone sure, else you want yeah. to highlight? Well, uh, a, a couple of thoughts here. I mean, one, uh, you know, uh, I'll call it more of a partnership, uh, ACEC Michigan, which is uh, the American uh, Council of Engineering Companies, which is kind of the business voice of America and Michigan's design and service industry. And, uh, oh, I guess, by the way, I'm the president of ACEC Michigan for this year. They only let you be president for one year, but uh, they do a lot of great work and really looking at infrastructure funding. And uh, Governor Whitmer actually has created a uh, growth council, which is something that's important to Michigan. And uh, we're happy to have ACEC representation on that council, because when you look at how can we attract people to the state, how can we keep people in the state? We know that we need good roads, we need good bridges, we need uh, safe drinking water. Everyone expects that. And then back to that soft infrastructure that I talked about, uh, if you're in a community and, and, and you want to be able to dine on the sidewalks till midnight in your community uh, and, and you want to attract cool businesses, 
uh, you're going to have to look at that end of things. And that takes that planning and what we call urban planning and landscape architecture to build these uh, beautiful communities. So uh, I, I certainly appreciate our role with uh, ACEC Michigan. Um, but yeah, uh, a, a city, uh, 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 whether it's city of Ann Arbor or city of Farmington Hills or city of Detroit or up in the UP, the city of Hancock or Petoskey or Midland, those uh counties, whether it's Wayne County or Oakland County or Washtenaw County, we work with uh, the counties and, and we help them make their communities uh, a better place. Yeah, I, I probably did. I should have told you, but my first job out of college, uh, I worked for Paid Herd and Bogue. I don't even think they exist anymore. Yeah, but, I know the uh, name though. I know the name. Yeah, so. yeah. So I was a, my first job out of college, I was a sewer inspector. So we were doing a uh, separation of the sanitary and storm sewers. So yeah. I had a, I was there on behalf of the interior, make sure they were following specs. And so well, that was uh, my brief interaction. <laughs> sure. Sewer separations. Those are big, important jobs. And it's, it sounds like if you were inspecting the sewers, I mean, we did hire the interns and it was told you're getting paid to watch dirty videos because you were watching the inside <laughs> of the sewer pipe. So, uh, oh, yeah, the flow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was a good gig for a summer job, um, and it. Uh, but you know, it's funny. After that, I got a job working for a state senator. Right after that job, and because of that background, we had like pretty rural communities in part of our district. I was in charge of every sewer project, open drain, flooding. You name it; those became mine. Just. From this one internship, I became an expert in all those other fields, at least at the legislative level. <laughs> so, it was, well, after the podcast, we're going to look at whether we can put you to work here. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I should be looking for a new gig. Um, but the, uh, you know, the other thing too is you mentioned architecture too. I see that. Tell a little bit about architecture. Are you building buildings, or do you just design them and then someone else construct contract? Sure. We're, yeah, we're, we're we're doing the design, and we we may design things like a hotel or a theater or a city hall, uh, and we try to make sure again back to that advancing communities that we're going to be helping design something that the community really views as a gem, something that is very important to them, their image and their growth. Uh, but absolutely, we have all kinds of beautiful projects uh, that, that we've designed over the years. And you've already hit on this question a little bit, but if there's anything else about future trends you see in your field that you think uh, people should pay attention to? Yeah, I mean, I... Uh, I, three things really come to mind for me. Uh, one is AI. The, the second would be what I'll call the, the workforce or the firm of the future. And the third is uh, some innovative funding that we are going to need as, as a state or we're going to be in trouble. So I could I could go into depth on any of those if you want me to. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, I understand how each of them could apply, whether it's in architecture or anything else. The um, So this question's a little harder. Where'd you go to high school again? I forgot. Uh, high school, I actually went to Ann Arbor Huron. I was what they call a river rat. Yes, I know the river. I know quite a My old roommate was a river rat. And so, um, but so you grew up and you went to U of M. That's interesting. A lot of people don't. Uh, usually they go somewhere else. Yeah, it but, was three, three miles away from my house, but it, 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 it felt like it was three hours away. My parents left me alone. <laughs> so what would you tell your 17-year-old self? Would you recommend a different field or would you, what would you tell yourself? No, you know, a, a lot of the things are, are kind of cliche. I mean, follow your heart, follow your talent. Um, and, and the one thing I would tell people is don't 
don't follow the money within reason. So if, 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 if your love and your talent can't really make you enough money to have a house and buy food, then you may need to consider things different. But the engineering field worked out well for me, but there was 10 or 15 different kinds of engineering I had to choose from. And had I gone with the one that might've paid the most at the time, I don't think I would have been happy. I went to civil engineering because I like seeing things get built and I love seeing projects get built, but I was good at chemical engineering. And I talked to one of my friends that had a chemical engineering job and I think that's great for people. But I remember them telling me their job was to figure out the 47 different shades of what color a pickup truck was and, and <laughs> make that color. And I feel like that's great for someone, but that's not something that could make me passionate 30 years later. So follow, follow that passion like what you do, do it well. Uh, I mean, you, you hear that a lot, but just make sure that you have something that you're going to be able to uh, make enough money at that you're going to be able to live the life that you want to live. You just explained my life. I uh, I never made a ton of money, but I've always been very happy with whatever job I have. This job here is really great. I love the MEDC and it's a great place to work. Um, the uh, last question is, do you have a favorite spot in Michigan or a favorite event you guys like to take your family to oh. or something like that? Well, I mean, I, I am an outdoors person at heart and I love all seasons and I love the water. So I'm, I'm one of those guys that uh, if there's water, I'm jumping in and that goes uh, for all four seasons. So I've been known to jump in the water in January if there's not ice on the lake or December, <laughs> uh, as well as July and August. So if, if you've got a lake that needs jumping into, give me a call and I'll, I'll, I'll jump in it. Well, you have that in common with our podcast producer, Odie McKinley. He does a polar plunge every year. So, oh, yeah, we know. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, thanks again. Our guest again was John Kramer. He's the president and CEO of OHM Advisors. Thanks again, John, for taking time to do this and keep up the good work and keep expanding and keep doing like how you're making Michigan and everywhere you guys have offices now. Keep up the work. Absolutely. Thanks, Ed. It's, it's been a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate the MEDC giving me the microphone for a few minutes. Make sure you join us next week, where our guest is going to be Roberto Nicholas. He's the Mexican consul here in Detroit for the state of Michigan, as well as northern Ohio. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion. Thank you.